it creates an opportunity to lift up voices uh, of aspiring writers and illustrators and it delivers a, a gift to uh, a little girl who um, who asks for something so small and yet what we're going to be able to deliver to her is going to feel like this giant wish come true. You may contribute a verse. I'm Josh Munkin, children's lit author, father, science communicator, podcaster, and co-host of You May Contribute a Verse, a set of conversations with creators I value. Today's conversation is about partnership and partners. Partners who will help keep you honest, help unlock new insights in your work, and help you get things done. I am super pleased to open up this episode as the first with my new co-host, Brenna Jennerette, children's lit author, mother, avid climber, and outdoors person, podcaster, and co-host of You May Contribute a Verse. Brenna and I have embarked on this kid-lit journey together this year, having become critique partners early in the year, only to find that our powers combined could make Captain Planet? Maybe not, but at least our powers combined can make a pretty good podcast. Our guest for this conversation is author-illustrator Fred Kaler, responsible for a whole bunch of books you can find on his Goodreads page or his website, among them Super Jumbo, How to Cheer Up Dad, and Garbage Island, which is getting a sequel in short order, and a whole bunch of other picture books with him featured as illustrator. The thing that drew Brenna and I to Fred, however, is an initiative he's managing through the end of this month called Quinn's Monsters, in partnership with the Make-A-Wish Foundation and a slew of super talented kid-lit authors and illustrators. Illustrators. Quinn is a four-year-old in Florida whose wish is to have spooky stories feature her in monsters. And so Fred's put out a call to authors, illustrators, and author-illustrator combos to submit 50 to 100 word stories with accompanying illustrations about monsters that interact and go on adventures with Quinn. But let's first learn who Fred Kaler is and what makes him tick as a creator. Here's Fred Kaler's verse is that when I see a logo out in public that I did 15 years ago and I don't like it anymore and I want to go up to the people who have it and just be like hey let's let's just do this over and I want to do it for free too because I'm like I I don't like it anymore personally and for some reason in my mind that's a that's a good excuse to redesign somebody's logos because I just don't personally like it anymore yeah. and I have that shirt so I can so I can adjust the kerning really quick between yeah, letters exactly exactly <laughs> We're we're kindred spirits. You get you get where yeah, I'm coming right. from. Do you uh, do you stand by? I mean, is that a general sense? Do you stand by your work over time? Oh, it's especially hard g- given given the permanence of. I mean, I'm gonna launch into a real heavy question, but like yeah. given the permanence of of having a book out in the world or having logos mm. in, in place, do you feel that way? Let, well, we can talk about. It's easier to talk about books, I would say, because um, there are about. I don't know, of the books that I've illustrated, um, there are three of them, four of them maybe, and I won't say which ones, but that I still adore everything about. But all of the other ones, there's something that I would go back to it and I'm like, I wanna fix this. And then I want them to reprint every copy and I want them to go to the homes of all the people who own them and just swap them out. (laughs) That doesn't seem like it should be such a huge request. The nice thing about working in software like I do is the ability to patch things, which is less possible when you're dealing with physical products. Yes, yes, for sure. 
wouldn't that be a fun job to have to be like the little fairy that takes the new copy of the book and like switches it out with everybody like the reverse like tooth fairy style like you have to sneak into people's houses and like flip them out I think that would be really fun I'd have to use like ninja skills and like you have to like get in and out without anyone noticing like that would be I think there's a I think there's a book idea in what you've just described. Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna scrap yeah. my Quinn's monsters idea and redraft it based right. on the book, the book monster. <laughs> yeah. Patches. Copyright the book trademark 2021. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I feel that way with my writing though too. Like I go back to stuff I've written years ago and I'm just like, oh man, what was I even talking about? Or there's like this huge run-on sentence, or you know, or I used to write more about like the out in the outdoor realm and so stuff has changed or like you know different like ethics or techniques or whatever and I'm like oh boy like I hope nobody reads this or like maybe I can archive that and like you're saying you know like resubmit or get them to republish it or but yeah writing writing is definitely like that because it's it's like I feel like the story for me the story can never actually be finished like I never find the right or like the perfect storyline, because my brain is always bouncing around with all these other alternatives, like, oh, but it could go that way. Or what if he did this? Or what about if I tweak this ending? Or, you know, there's so many, so many alternatives. And Fred, I I know you're an incredible illustrator. Do you write too? Or or do you just illustrate? Yeah, I do. I I always wanted to be a writer first. Uh, My natural talents lay in in art, and I was always able to get good grades uh, in high school and college by taking all of the art classes. Um, And so when I when I tried to break into publishing, I started with with writing novels and no one was interested. Uh, And then I decided to make things even harder on myself and try to write picture (laughs) books. and again, no one was interested until I started attaching the art to the words. And that was really my turning point because with my background in advertising, you're, you're accustomed to creating a juxtaposition between the art and the copy, uh, or yeah, the art and copy. And it makes this third read. So if you can see the picture, you can read the words. And then when you put the two together, it brings you to this different aha moment. And when I applied that to, to story, when I applied that to uh, picture books, it really like it helped me create a voice that uh, that resonated well with with readers and, and especially with the agents and the editors, which got me in. What, <laughs> what tipped you over the edge to consider illustrating your own stuff? I mean, no, knowing that you had some aptitude with illustration, had gotten good grades. And presumably at the time you started this, you were already working in media as you do now, graphic design and things. I mean, what was that turning point like? Yeah, it, well, it's funny because I worked for, uh, I've, I've worked in just about every industry, uh, education, nonprofit, for-profit, government. Uh, and at the time I was subcontracted through, uh, through an advertising agency to a giant supermarket chain. So I was going into this uh, corporate headquarters of a supermarket chain every single day. And I was like photoshopping the uh, background out of the can of peas. And I was making the chunky mashed potatoes look like creamy mashed potatoes. And what I realized at some point was that the techniques and the software that I was using to, um, you know, to, to do the food touch ups was the same exact thing that I could use for illustration. And so one day I literally like took the same drawing tablet and the same software and I just went home and I was like, huh, I wonder what happens if I do this. 
And all of a sudden I realized I hadn't drawn a picture like for myself in, you know, probably eight to 10 years. And so I did one and then I did five and then I did 20. And then I was like, oh, I could make a book. <laughs> I just have to draw the same thing 32, 32 yeah. different times. Yeah. Yeah, but you had gotten that experience working with editorial teams and being accountable to other folks, which is kind of, oh, yeah. kind of the deal with... Uh, writing picture books is it, it takes a village. Yeah. And one of my, my mentor in the, in the graphic design world, uh, he was the creative director of this big supermarket chain. And he was, he was a tall man and with a very like big physical presence. And it was so, uh, it was so scary to be in his presence because he was kind, but he just didn't say much. And he let the silence hang in the air, you know, it's, <laughs> And he didn't know how his his strength was not in uh, in constructive criticism. His strength was in critique, mm. as in this design doesn't work. Silence. <laughs> oh, and <boy>. then like <laughs> so once I got into publishing and I'm working with these art directors and these editors who are like, this doesn't work, but have you considered A, B, C, X, Y, Z? I'm like, wait a second. You mean like you're allowed to suggest things to make this better? <laughs> yeah, right. I, don't right. have to, I don't have to figure out what you mean on my yeah. own. Yeah. Right. Um, I So on, on a point you made earlier about how you're adding like those layers, like the writing plus the pictures and then that added third voice. So I had it uh, from the library like a couple of weeks ago and then we returned it, but Flashlight Night, yeah. that book is incredible by uh, Matt Forrest Essenwine. Um, it, like your illustrations, I mean, his his poetry by itself, of course, is like, uh, you know, like amazing. It's very well written, but then the illustrations just add like so much more. I mean, it you're telling like an actual full, uh, like second story. It's so good. Like, I love the adventure that the, that the um, flashlight highlights in that beam and my son and I read it so my son is four and he he was like studying each page you know and he's like oh mama he's like did you see the octopus tentacle like you know coming out and winding around like he saw stuff that I totally missed and I was like oh my gosh that's awesome like that's so fun and actually there was one other book that we just read of yours um this is not a book about dragons. Yes. So we got this the other day and same thing. Like he loves that there's like all these like dragon shadows, like sort of creeping in the background. Like kids, kids love that stuff. Like Mo Willems uh, pigeon books, like the pigeon shows up everywhere. Like we're finding him everywhere. And since so he's like, mama, mama, like, did you see it? Did you see it? Go back, go back. So anyways, that was, that was like a big run on sentence, but like I wanted to highlight flashlight <laughs> night because I thought it was so incredible. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, I would, I would love to hear more about how you did that we'll, yeah we'll fan as, out as a matter of fact sure that so my agents got the got the script uh for flashlight night or the manuscript for flashlight night and and uh, we had gotten the offer to to do that book um from boyd's mills press who is now Kane press uh and now they're branching out into gosh a bunch of different names so i, I i'm not sure exactly what it's going to be called right now but um <laughs> it was boyd's mills press at the time and uh, and my agent said, Fred, this isn't this isn't a Fred book uh, because <laughs> she read the words, but didn't have a vision for what it could be. And that's my mm. like, that's my thing. As soon as I read those gorgeous, beautiful words, it took me to uh, it took me on a soul level. 
to a place where I, where I just remembered being a kid and playing outside at night in the woods with our flashlights, running around playing tag and capture the flag and all that sort of stuff and the imaginary adventures that we would have. So when I read those words, like the idea hit me immediately. Well, what if the flashlight, because the first words of the book are flashlight opens up the night. Well, what if flashlight actually opens up the night and changes it? And that became the idea. And as soon as I did a quick sketch and sent that to the agent, I was like, no, 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 no. This is what it could be. She was like, oh, okay, this is a Fred book. <laughs> Matt, take a back seat. Awesome. Your work here is done. <laughs> no, 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 no. With the, my most popular books and my most successful books have all been ones where I was the illustrator and not the author because uh, when I see a manuscript come across my desk, that is something that I never could have imagined on my own, but has left room for me as an illustrator to play. Mm. I'm like, I'm done. I was like, you know, I would pay you to let me illustrate this. Uh, I would, I would starve <laughs> to death, but I would totally pay you to let me illustrate this. You'd lose Do your you... co-working space. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you prefer uh, that kind of project as opposed to trying to to do both elements yourself? Because for me, as just doing the writing side, I feel like is so much like mental gymnastics sometimes that I'm like, oh man, if I had to illustrate it on top of it, you know, that's adding that whole extra. I mean, I, I understand that there are pros to doing both yourself as well, because you've got this vision and whatever, but it seems like a collaboration in that sense could be, you know, a, a more feasible, like creative um, antagonist, I guess, to sort of jumpstart things. It's a good question. And I'm not a hundred percent sure how to answer it. I, I can mm -hmm. tell you this. When I draw, I sit down and if it's, a, if it's something that I'm passionate about and excited about, I sit down to draw and I look up eight hours later and the day is done and I didn't eat lunch and I, like, no, I didn't move from that seat and I have a terrible crick in my neck and, uh, and I need to like do some <laughs> yoga. Um, hmm. <laughs> but getting lost in, in art is something that doesn't happen for me with writing. So when mm. I, like my brain just wanders and I enjoy that process so much. So to, to write, but never draw, I think, I don't think I would enjoy that. Um, and, and at the same moment though, like the, there is a writing element to the drawing when I get to tell part of the story visually. So I think it's both there. So really like, mm. as long as I'm working on, uh, a manuscript that has left room for me to explore, then then I'm the happiest camper in the world. Do you do you find that those manuscripts are kind of? I mean, I guess the question is, do you draw parallels between the day job work, like the graphic design work, and the illustration, where you are you're solving essentially a design problem with the blank page having to match the words? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, right now, so I, I told you, uh, or I mentioned, I think maybe before we started the recording, that I have a part-time job at an architecture firm, and it's really interesting because the uh, the same software that you would use to show you what your building is going to look like, what your new hospital wing is going to look like, 
um, and you could do a fly through of, you know, of the building. That same software is um, what you would use to create an animated television series and do the backgrounds or something like that. So I've got these amazingly talented artists that I collaborate with. Um, and at some point they all got together and were like, well, why don't we also on top of this architecture work, why don't we take a stab at doing an animated short? And why don't we, you know, why don't we try some of these, uh, you, you know, other avenues for animation? So I'm writing scripts for uh, for a television series um, that then gets fed back to uh, the, gets fed back to these incredible artists who are really only good at drawing a building. But then I'm helping them. I'm sitting down and helping them. All right. But yeah, how do we visually tell this, you know, this story and make something compelling that's filled with heart and humor and like has all of those kind of uh, punches that you want out of uh, out of, you know, an animated short. So uh, we're breaking the news here. Uh, okay. Look for look for Super Jumbo uh -huh. hitting on Netflix uh, in 2024. <laughs> yes, please. I wish <laughs> the next uh, the the next Chris Knee, uh <laughs> with Doc McStuffins and exactly. That. Yeah, that's exactly. cool. Uh, for for that for that firm to pivot into something that is such a hard left turn, but leveraging the same skills is, is super fun. Yeah, it's, it's really, a, it's a testament to uh, the leadership and, and the creative community here in my hometown of Lakeland, Florida. Um, we've been very blessed. Uh, just, we've got a lot of, we've got a, a lot of infrastructure here and um, a lot of, I would just say, uh, what's the word patrons patrons of the arts who are uh, willing to you know make those leaps uh, on behalf of of the creative class and this is going to be an audio medium uh, by which this is distributed so i have to acknowledge what i what i now understand uh, to be your, your the meaning behind your hat which is lkld it's just it's an ad <laughs> yes. for lakeland right there on your <laughs> on your forehead Yes. And, and my buddy awesome. who's an illustrator, he, he makes these hats and sells them. So, you know, I always got to support and send shout outs to, to my buddies who are, who are doing local business here. Um, so to pivot just a little bit into Quinn's yeah. Monsters, I, yes. I want to know everything about that project. I saw it come across Twitter and I was like, that sounds awesome. I'm like, I want to be a part of that. And then, so this is what I did. So first read, I was like, oh, that looks really cool. I looked into it. I got the email, got all the info, read through it started like writing a story and then went back through and was like, oh, I'm only an author and I don't illustrate. And so I was like, okay, well, that's cool. I'll write the story. I'll worry about the illustration later. But to your point about, you know, making room for the illustrator, I was, you know, I've been trying to work on that too, but with 50 to a hundred words, it's really difficult, but also really fun. Um, yes. But yeah, please, please tell us all about Quinn's Monsters. I think that project is so rad. Yeah, so it, it all started off through uh, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, uh, SCBWI. You guys are familiar. I'm sure your audience is familiar yeah. with them. Um, someone from the Make-A-Wish Foundation reached out to our Florida SCBWI because there's a little girl here in Florida named Quinn. Uh, she's four years old, and uh, she is, she is uh, I would, I believe, winning her battle with leukemia, which is awesome. Uh, and and um, it's really, really cool uh, to have heard that she's 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 winning. Um, now I'm I'm not a doctor. I don't know I don't know how that trajectory goes. But um, so uh, 
so she's still involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which means it's been a serious battle. And, uh, and basically, uh, we got an email uh, through the Make-A-Wish Foundation that said, you know, um, Quinn loves books and she spends so much of her time reading. And uh, when we asked her what wish she would like granted, she said that she'd like someone to tell a story about her. And that touched my heart so much, uh, in part because in part because I love story and I love the idea of a kid, especially a four-year-old who just loves books. But I also, I, I grew up uh, with, with a friend uh, who passed from leukemia and I just remember spending a, a lot of uh, afternoons after school, just going over to his house, sitting with him, playing board games uh, and feeling completely helpless in terms of what, you know, what can I do? Like I was a kid, I was, you know, 10 years old. Um, so there really wasn't anything that I could do to help him at the time other than sit next to him. And I'm sure that that was, I'm sure that that was good for his heart and for his soul. Um, but then to kind of have that come full circle and, you know, he, here's, here's another uh, kid with leukemia who just wants a story told about her and that's what I do is I tell stories and I, I, how could I say no to that? You know, so uh, I decided that I would manage the project uh, and I volunteered to manage the project. Uh, and basically I was like, you know what, I'm just going to reach out to all of my friends who are artists because I can't I can't make her a whole book on my own because it takes me seven, to eight months to do that. And while I would, I would, again, go broke. Um, so I was like, I'll just reach <laughs> out to all of my artist friends and see who is willing to help and literally awesome. like I'm just yeah. bl blasting it out. I mean what what has the response been so far? I anticipate that a lot of folks are going to have, I mean Brandon and I are are interested in participating as well, but a lot of folks having a lot of generosity towards a project like that. It's going to become an editorial task for you and everybody's helping you out as well, I'm sure. Yeah, I think I think so. I was sneaky about how I set it up. So I started off um well first of all <laughs> So we sat down with Megawish via Zoom, and uh, we discussed Quinn's love of spooky stories. She loves spooky stories and everything Halloween. She wishes it was Halloween every day of the year. Uh, and so, so through that discussion, I was like, you know, as opposed to writing uh, like a 500-word story about Quinn and then trying to get different artists to illustrate different parts of it, what if we just made one book full of monsters every monster is different that way i could just ask all of my artist friends to do something fun design a monster and then give them this simple task of writing a 50 or 100 word story about it and that seemed like a much easier ask than you know having to piecemeal a bunch of different artists art into a, a longer narrative project so I started off by uh, asking each of my, like some of my closer friends who are published illustrators. And I sent out about 15 or 20 emails uh, to, to those folks. And I went as high up the food chain as I could. I asked the most famous people I knew uh, because here's, here's the deal. I knew that once I got a couple of known names on the project, then everybody else was going to want to participate. And it was, it mm -hmm. was going to be able to, <laughs> Because then you're an illustrator showing your work alongside these famous people. And, and that seemed like it was going to uh, bring in a lot more 
folks than just putting my face on it and saying, hey, come join Fred. Um, so I let, uh, I let other people be the rock stars. And, uh, and I, then um, as soon as I open it up kind of to everybody, um, I've already gotten about 55 signups uh, from illustrators who are interested in participating. Uh, and so I imagine that not everybody who signed up is going to be able, you know, to, to complete the project. But I imagine that mm -hmm. I'll have 30 or 40 um, illustrations and stories in the end to curate. Yeah. Unless, of That's course, this goes viral. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, we can yeah if this goes that. viral and I end up with a thousand, then I'm sending some hate mail to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just join the we'll join the Quinns Quinns Monsters editorial team and yeah. help there triage. You go. Oh, oh yeah. there you go. Yeah, okay, right. perfect. There perfect. We go. Yeah, we'll we'll lend a hand. Yeah, smart. <laughs> Make ourselves useful. What the book yeah. itself becomes then is a monster in itself. Um, yeah. a, nice, a nice poetry. <laughs> totally beautiful. Well, your I mean your strategy was so smart because I saw it and was like, oh, that looks awesome already. But then I I looked down at the very bottom of the Quinns Monsters like. Um, logo that you had made and personally I saw Kaz Widness or Windness I always say her name wrong but she's she's incredible like I love her I follow her on on Twitter and I have alerts for like everything she posts because I think she's so rad but yeah I saw her and was like oh what and like I definitely want to be a part of this you know so yeah that was that was really smart I saw her immediately <laughs> same here uh Kelly Light was my connection mm -hmm. yeah she's been on this podcast before she's an amazing illustrator so you know, you know you're doing you're doing your curation job right when you've got names <laughs> like that that, <laughs> that we recognize yeah absolutely and you know it, I couldn't imagine a better cause uh and a better cause to bring people together in in creativity um I, I feel like often as artists we wonder we see tragedy and we wonder what can I do? And I mean, I know I feel that way. I, you know, I've, I've probably got a, a giant bleeding heart for just about any cause. Uh, but this one in particular, when, when it came across my, my emails, like, ah, uh, you can't say no to that. Like, this is, this is why you were made the way you are, Fred, was to help people like this and to serve the world in this way. And, uh, and so, you know, it creates an opportunity to lift up voices uh, of aspiring writers and illustrators, and it delivers a, a gift to uh, a little girl who um, who asks for something so small, and yet what we're going to be able to deliver to her is going to feel like this giant wish come true. Totally. And coming coming from the other end of it, like, as a writer, I sometimes think to myself, you know, like, I'm... I'm a kids book writer and I, I love doing this for, for me, like for selfish reasons, because I love, you know, I love to be creative and silly and crazy on the page and have this huge imagination and, you know, have kids be inspired by that. But it's also sort of like, well, you know, am I really like helping the world? Am I doing my part here? Like, should, you know, should I be doing something more, more courageous, more like, you know, helpful, like there's so many issues out there, but this in particular, sort of like what you're saying, you know, like, this will make a huge difference in this little girl's life. And that, you know, a story is so powerful in that way. And so uh, like 
personally, you know, thank you for setting it out and putting it out there because it gives me an opportunity to feel like I'm doing something bigger, you know, than just myself. Like I, I get to be a part of that. So that, that for me is rad. So I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what does the project look like at its culmination? What do you envision this looking like when it's all said and done? It's got a cover and it's a printed, you know, physical thing that you can hand over to her, um, which I think is the, the end point. But, but what does production look like? Yeah, well, because my background is in graphic design, uh, I can pull, I can probably find a picture book template out there and, and you know, just pull the whole thing together, um, set the typography I look forward to doing the cover design because I'm going to try and incorporate as many monsters as I can into the cover design. And it's going to make this really cool piece of art. And, you know, maybe I'll even ask the uh, the illustrators if they mind if I did a, uh, a print of the cover design to send to everyone as a thank you for participating, you know, something like that. And that way, if again, if I'm, you know, aspiring illustrator, uh, Jim Smith, and I get to have my work in a uh, in a collage of sorts, a collaborative thing with you know with Don Tate and Kelly Light and Debbie Ohi. Mm -hmm. um, then I'm gonna feel really really good about myself, and I'm probably gonna stick that you know poster in my portfolio to show off to say, hey, look, I've 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 done things. I've I've helped you know I've helped some good causes and worked with some cool people. It's a win-win for everybody totally. involved. I uh, think except so. Except for you yeah. who has so much work on his plate. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is the work that doesn't feel like work. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, so where can um where should we direct people if they want to be in charge of Quinn's Monsters or if they want to find you or see your upcoming projects? Um yeah, so my personal website is uh, ilikefred.com. Uh, it's a mantra as well. I need to remind myself, you know, that like self-love, you know, all that kind of very uh, high so, self-esteem kind of a thing. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, it's actually a low self-esteem thing, but it's, it's but it's a reminder, you know. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So com. If you go to uh, forward slash Quinn, um, then that is that that's uh, the sign up form to get an email that has all of the details. I did not want to send like make all of the details about Quinn, about her illness, about this project public uh, or at least accessible without having to go through a second link. So so you have to okay. do the sign up and then the sign up gives you uh, the information about her. Um, and, you know, that that uh, process actually turned out to work really well. Um, I was surprised by how many people signed up immediately and, and the response we've gotten. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been good. That's great. That's going to be so awesome. cool to see. Yeah. And we can put that link in the show notes as well. And we're hoping um, to have a pretty quick turnaround on this episode so we can get it out, you know, ahead of the deadline for Quinn's Monsters. Yeah. So that we can, you know, give a shout out out there and let people know in case they want to get involved. And we yeah, seen, and we have seen with other efforts the the turnaround time for for flipping illustrations and generating content is pretty pretty great. So yeah, and and that was also part of it because we're in October, like the and people are already doing you know Inktober 
and uh, mm-hmm. uh, like illustrators are, are, they're already making spooky illustrations and sketches and all that sort yeah. of stuff. I'm like, look, <laughs> just take one of the ones you already did and write a 50 word story to go in it and, you know, add Quinn to the story. And then all of a sudden, boom, we've got, you know, submissions. So I, yeah, when totally. I've seen, yeah, when I've seen friends of mine doing those Inktober illustrations, I'm like, I just send them a quick chat. I'm like, hey, please make this part of Quinn's Monsters. And, you know, that's that's been uh, that's been working as well. Um, but the deadline is October 25th. That's the date uh, that I've put for the cutoff for submissions. And hopefully um, that gives me enough time to pull together the design and the layout of the book uh, so that we can send a digital version of it to Quinn on Halloween. That's my vision is that uh, she gets this special uh, digital copy on Halloween. And then the printed books will come later. You ha- awesome. must have cleared your calendar for that week in between the 25th and the 31st. <laughs> well, you know, that's the that's thing, it. right? So, yeah, as a <clears throat> as a 20-year graphic design veteran, I feel like I can lay out a 32-page picture book in an afternoon. <laughs> you know, it's like, awesome. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to crank through this and put on an audio book in the background and I'll, you know, again, I'll sit down to start and then I'll look up and it'll be done and the stars will probably be out, but it'll be done. Right. (laughs) This project seems to have found, found its way into the right hands uh, to be managed with passion for sure. I hope so. Thank thank you so much for coming on Fred. We really appreciate it. I know you're, I know you're super busy and you've got a lot going on, but I appreciate you taking the time because it's a really important project and, and your work is incredible. So also I appreciate you coming on to talk about that too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Can, can I plug one other thing while we're here? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, I, I saw your email signature in, in Boyd's or Kane or Astra or wherever it is. I know you've got books in the works. Yes. So yeah, there are books in the works. I, I, uh, the sequel to garbage Island is, is supposed to come out in uh, the next year or so. And that is a, a middle grade, uh, fantasy adventure where uh, a small group of plucky animals find themselves uh, marooned on a patch of garbage in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Um, so the the awesome. uh, yeah, that was my debut novel. After all of the picture books, I finally got a novel out there, um, and then the <laughs> sequel to that is supposed to come out. Um, and another, I, I I'm starting a writing community of sorts and and i'm still trying to figure out exactly how all the pieces fit together but before covid i started a writers group that was just helping my local uh writers writer people kind of get started and push them along and then covid happened and we had to shut all of our in-person meetings down um Mm. so i've kind of transitioned that into into this online thing and so i'm starting to pull in uh some great writing coaches and authors and uh, we'll eventually have some editors and agents involved and it's called ready chapter one uh, and it's ready chapter and the numeral one.com. I've seen that logo on your, on your Twitter. And I was wondering what that was. I recently read ready player one, which is a great book, but I, yeah. Okay. Now I get it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so if anybody wants to check us out and sign up for the mailing list, just to, just to stay in touch about what's going on with that writing community, um, I, we've got a we've got a huge vision that's basically exists to support uh, writers along their path because uh, there's so much that each of us learns and there's all these tools that we have and it's just really like 
again, organizing, right? My, if my gift is anything, it's organizing. So I'm going to organize these tools into this, into this huge kit that can help. I'm hoping just about any and every writer uh, level up and eventually break the rejection cycle and get the yes uh, for their first or 50th publishing deal. That's awesome. Again, giving back to the community. Very appreciated. Yeah. That's Try rad. It. Yeah, well, we can put <laughs> we can put a link to that in the show notes too. We'll cool. make sure to link everything so that people, if you know, if stuff gets lost, then people have it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, again, Fred. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and chatting. Awesome. Yeah. So, so there's uh, so there's no uh, this is audio only, right? So I can yeah, like do right. rock, like I can you know do <laughs> yeah, hand yeah. signals and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's not gonna show. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. We cool. may hear yeah. the the whoosh of your hands on the mic. <laughs> I do. I talk a lot with my hands. So yeah, I don't know if that, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> you guys have been amazing. No Thank you for reaching out to me, by the way, because um, if, if this ends up with uh, 50 additional submissions for Quinn's Monsters, then you two are both volunteer editors um, to help me pull it all together. Yeah, we'll I take it. I would love it. to, however we yeah. can help. Episode 27 of You May Contribute a Verse has come to a collaborative conclusion. The Quinn's Monsters Project is open to submissions through October 25th of this year, in case you're listening from the future. That's 2021. Find details at ilikefred.com slash Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N, and a lot more about Fred at ilikefred.com and at superfred, S-U-P-E-R-F-R-E-D-D, two Ds, on Twitter. As for Brenna and me... You May Contribute a Verse is a homespun production produced, edited, recorded, conceptualized, and marketed by Brenna Jenneret and Josh Munkin. Hit us up at verse.show and find the show and me on Twitter as at verseshow. That's V-E-R-S-E-S-H-O-W. Find Brenna on Twitter as at Brenna Jenneret. That's J-E-A-N-N-E-R-E-T. And at BrennaGenneret.com. The artwork for You May Contribute a Verse is an amazing picture commissioned for the podcast from a very talented artist, Charlie Munkin, age eight. Love you, Charlie. The show's music is provided graciously by Robbie Zarr via tracks from his album, A Tragic But Happy Horse. Engage with his music and musings at Partist.com. That's P-A-R-T-I-S-T.com. If you would be so kind, as always, however you're listening to this, let us know what you think with a comment or a rating. It means a lot. And remember the answer, that you are here, that life exists, and identity, that the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. 